Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a man who can't afford a tux that fits to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the single cause fallacy, also known as causal reductionism, complex cause, the reductive fallacy and oversimplification. So yeah, it's got a lot of names. This one, <laughs> and um, yeah, the one we're going with is single both cause. The, both the single cause and the complex cause. Yeah, well, it's the well, yeah. complex cause is is a, a nod to what's actually going on in reality, right? And the single cause yeah. is is what people do by mistake. But it doesn't have to be one single cause. Basically, this is when people attribute most of the the cause of something or all of the cause of something to a single issue or a, mm. a limited number of issues when actually it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, yep. and, and in reality, in most things in life, it's a lot more complicated yeah. than that. It's, it's yeah, rare yeah. that something can really be pinned down to, to a single cause. But it's very convenient to have it do it. It's, it is very convenient and it's very natural for us to look for that to look for, you know, what was the cause of this thing happening and, and try and... Spotted myself kind of, do it no, so yeah. many times <laughs> yeah, in researching this. Yeah. yeah. And just going, oh my God, we do it all the time. Yeah. We really do. Yeah. it's yeah. I've done it probably several times on this podcast. I can think of when, I, when I've talked about reasons why people doing things being based on the fact that as humans, we're really good at looking at patterns, looking for patterns. And actually yeah. sometimes our brain does that too much. Um, and that's that's yeah. why we do this particular thing. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my first example uh, from Trump yeah. is a tweet that he sent uh, basically on December the 1st of uh, 2017. Mm-hmm. Veteran ABC journalist Brian Ross reported that Mike Flynn would be testifying that Trump had asked him to contact the Russians during the campaign. That didn't turn out to be true. In fact, uh, right. Trump waited until after the election to ask Flynn to make contact with the Russians. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> uh, and Trump tweeted uh, a couple of days later, he said, people who lost money when the stock market went down 350 points based on the false and dishonest reporting of Brian Rice of ABC News, he has been suspended, should consider hiring a lawyer and suing ABC for the damages this bad reporting has caused. Many millions of dollars. So Trump is attributing the drop in the stock market to mm. Brian Ross on ABC saying that Flynn would testify something negative about Trump. Yeah. Those two things don't seem inextricably linked, <laughs> but but there yeah. was there was a drop in mid-morning right. on, on December 1st in the Dow Jones Industrial Average um, of somewhere in the region of 350 points. However, within half an hour... It had actually recovered half of those lost points. And by the end of the day, it was only 40 points down. Despite the fact that ABC News didn't actually issue a correction to the story until the evening after the market had finished trading. Right. (laughs) Okay. So, yes, the report was incorrect. It wasn't fake news. It was was speculation at the time that turned out to be incorrect. It may possibly have been a factor 
in the stock market fluctuation, but the stock market fluctuates all the time for loads and mm. loads of different mm. reasons. There are so many things yep. that decide the direction and size of fluctuations. And to suggest that this was all due to Brian Ross, to the extent yeah. that you would be able to sue him <laughs> for the money you lost. Yeah, for your damages. Yeah. Yeah, because many of the things that caused the stock market to go up and down are nothing to do with politics yeah. at all. They'd just be to do with the price of commodities. Absolutely. Going or the perceived down. price that on, the commodities on, might be yeah. the next day or in three yeah. hours or just a, a, someone looking at fluctuations and thinking, oh, that's a time to sell or all kinds of different things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and yeah. it changes so much. Basically, over the past 50 years, one day in every three has seen a bigger drop from open to closed than that, that day. It's, wow. It is completely normal. For a day of trading. Yeah. Consistently over 50 years. Yeah. Wow. It is not that, yeah, that it wasn't a big drop. There have been plenty of bigger ones that Trump has, has said were due to other things and plenty of rises yeah. that Trump has claimed complete responsibility for. Yes. Yeah. 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 So why? Yeah. So if it's wrong of Trump to point out that this drop was down to, to that report, yeah. then it's also wrong for him to say, it goes up because of him. Well, yeah, we know that. So it's kind of it's kind of reducing it to the simple simplest cause. Yeah. So yeah. So this this guy wrote the report, and the stock market plummeted because you know the the implied thing is because I'm so important to the economy of the US. If you diss me in any way and question my truthfulness and standing in. The, the political world, then that will immediately impact the market. That's the implied thing, isn't it? So yeah, he's saying absolutely. you you need to steer clear. So it's a self-serving thing when he kind of does it and says, I am directly responsible for the increase in flight in aircraft safety. You know, so he does that simple cause thing because it serves his end. And this one serves his end in two ways. One, to dismiss what Brian Ross has said and to to promote him as an important um, a linchpin, a, a foundation, if you will, for the economy of the US. So you can't um, say anything bad about me because that will have a direct impact on the stock market. So he's kind of defending his own yeah. position and uh, allowing – it gives him – in dissing Brian Ross, it also – He's establishing his right to be able to do that because he is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, like you said, if every time it goes up and he says, how can they talk about impeaching me when the stock market is up? It, yeah, yeah, very, yeah. Very yeah. basically saying, because of me. It's, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's a bit yeah, more complicated. If you take me out of the picture, <laughs> yes, quite. Yeah, not, le not least because... Uh, the stock market has been not only has been fluctuating over the last 50 years, it's been existing quite happily over the yeah. last 47 years without Trump. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, despite Trump and yeah. his attempt, attempts to manipulate it over the during the 80s and 90s. So, um, so our second Trump example this week is yeah. from after the Parkland shooting when yeah. the Republicans were looking for for possible reasons for uh, school shootings and mass shootings that didn't involve guns, because <laughs> yeah. that's too simple a cause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Trump said this. We have to do something about uh, 
maybe what they're seeing and how they're seeing it, and also video games. I'm hearing more and more people say the level of violence on video games is really shaping young people's thoughts. And then you go the further step, and that's the movies. You see these movies, they're so violent, and yet a kid is able to see the movie if sex isn't involved, but killing is involved. And maybe they have to put a rating system for that. Yeah, if only they had a rating system for movies. I know. Yeah, like, like some, yeah, that, kind of, something kind of that could em- like the employ the likes of you. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, <that>. or... <laughs> Or like the American equivalent of the thing that used to employ you in the in, yeah. <laughs> in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, exactly. Here. Or like the ESRB for, for video games, for example. That, exactly, yeah. That kind of, that, that warns people against not only sexual content, but you know, violence. killing, violence, yeah. and, and, you know, even swearing. Yeah. And, yeah. But it's it is but it's weird, isn't it? It's the same argument that gets trotted out each and every time. You know, it happened in the eighties here, in the UK, yeah. and it just happens with every. You know, instead of going, yeah, do you know what? Guns don't kill people. Games do. Um, you know, what? Wayne yeah. LaPierre, head of the NRA, literally used that argument. He not recently. No. Yeah, he has literally said guns don't kill people. Um, people watching violent video games and violent films do that. No. Yeah. Okay. So why why is it not true then that people go out and bury hundreds of people under lots of candy? Yeah. Or or you know uh, there are people driving around in tiny carts yeah. all the time. You get you hear a lot of that, you know, mass mass cart pileups in uh, in school playgrounds all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Since um, yeah, as, well. as Mark alluded to, there, uh, uh, I used to actually do this, rate, rate video games mm. and films, and consequently, I have studied the media effects, the, the uh, issue, the psychology behind yep. aggression and, and violence in media quite extensively. Um, and yeah. there is certainly no proven link. There is uh, very little suggestion that there is a, a real link between um, violence in media and violence in real life. Certainly in individual cases, people who are already troubled, uh, have mental health issues or, or have a propensity towards violence, can um, can choose violent media to consume often you know works in that direction and can be influenced in the exact type of thing they do but uh the the any uh research that points towards people being made more aggressive or anything like that from watching violence tends to be um quite unconvincing studies they they Mm. tend to be quite Mm. uh motivated and and poor poorly researched so there's no direct direct causal link that has been established yeah well apart from anything else i mean if you think about how video games were back in the early 90s and and how Mm. undetailed they were and i mean the the height of of uh violence was probably things like doom which obviously was partly blamed for columbine and things like that um yeah but it's laughable to look at it now compared to some of the stuff Mm. that we've got today and and since the early 90s Violence has been dropping year on year. Um, uh, violent crime in the US, according to FBI yeah. figures and, and stuff, has gone down and down and down. And while our, yeah. our 
the accessibility of violence in in video you know convincing realistic violence in video games has mm. gone mm. up and up and up and and you know yeah the the spread of people actually playing video games has has increased dramatically so there's there's mm. just clearly no link in that direction and trump to to be completely fair wasn't claiming that it's the only thing he wasn't claiming that that it's all due to videos and video games, but he was trying to push it as a significant cause. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's just not realistic. And, and it distracts from the fact that actually there are many, many causes among them, social economic issues and guns. <laughs> Easy access to firearms. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, kind of high grade military over all available over the counter with very few background checks yeah whereas you know actually you can't buy video games under 18 some of them well yeah in the uk oh there, is it yeah, yeah. there's it's yeah. it's legally yeah. restricted the esrb system in the us is a voluntary system so it's it's advice right. and some stores do restrict access to kids but some just don't really care. And now is the time, I think, for Marx's British politics. Corner. It's good, actually, that this is about a single, simple cause for stuff, because um, the past several weeks in politics, as it, where are we? Yeah, we're kind of like two weeks on from the European elections that we, continuing to be members of the European Union, had to take part in so that there are British members of the European Parliament that are put forward and voted for. Uh, in the last round of European elections, there were at least four factions where we're going to hear from four representatives of four parties. So the reason I chose this is because the elections happened, there were results, and uh, it's all very complicated <laughs> as to why the results are the way that they are. And in the show notes, we'll put in uh, a link to the the Guardian newspaper online did a great thing about here are the results uh, split by varying groupings and graphs and so on. It really lays it out quite nicely. But what happens is, and I suspect this happens with every election, that each party views the results and views the explanation of the results in a very simple way they put it down to a single cause as to why the results went the way they did so this clip consists of uh, Nigel Farage who just created was the leader of the UK Independence Party uh, which he left and retired from politics and then he came back into politics and formed the Brexit Party guess what their single policy is and then it's followed by Theresa May who's the conservative leader well she's just stepped down as the conservative leader today uh, Emily Thornbury from the Labour Party and Caroline Lucas from the Green Party and they all have varying views on the results of the election this has happened this party has had, had this meteoric rise in six weeks 
because we didn't leave on March 29th. Mm. And if we don't leave on the 31st of October, those parties will lose even more votes to us. We saw some very good MEPs losing their seats. We saw some great candidates not gaining their seats. Um, but the Labour Party also saw significant losses. Uh, and I think what it shows is the importance of actually delivering on Brexit. The most important issue was what was our, what was our view on leaving the European Union and we were not clear about it. We were not clear on the one single thing that people wanted to hear. The clear conclusion from tonight is that those parties that made it their business to be saying that our future is better off inside the EU had a really fantastic night. So the, um, you have to excuse the rather loungy music in the background of the last two clips because it's off a Guardian website explainer video. What's interesting in editing those together is that they use words like important and clear um, in different contexts. So Farage is saying it's because we didn't leave on the 29th of March. Theresa May is saying the reason people didn't vote for the Conservatives is that they didn't deliver Brexit. In fact, I think both she and Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party, the opposition, said, oh, well, the clear message we're getting from the fact that nobody voted for us in the European elections is that we need to deliver Brexit. Yeah, it's not, well, it's, it's not the it, fact that they're the ones still supporting Brexit and kind of... Vaguely. No, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite. So which kind of leads me to think, well, actually, the single cause that everybody alights on is the one that serves them the best. Yeah. Even Emily Thornberry who's a um, bit of a critic of Corbyn's stance on... Uh, she's a pro-Remain, so she really wants the Labour Party to just take up this single cause, quite literally, um, which is to remain. Um, the people that succeeded in the European elections, the Liberal Party, uh, the Liberal Democrats was one of them who were disgraced when they uh, went into coalition with David Cameron's Conservative Party. Um, we talked about that before. But they their policy was bollocks to Brexit, <laughs> which, you know, they published that on their flyers. And um, so, that, you know, so it's clear what their stance was. And the Green Party, Caroline Lucas, the last voice we heard, um, their stance was a pro-Remain stance. And Emily Thornberry is saying we need to have been clearer. So it all it serves each of their individual purposes. But yeah, so so in the very fact that they are supplying these many different single causes. Um, it illustrates that it isn't a single issue, which is I find quite um, hilarious. So the uh, the second clip, um, I've kind of uh, strayed over into your territory, Jim, because this has got a bit of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> um, so she's on BBC News. This is about the she's hawking her book around why she lost the election, um, and uh, let's hear what her single cause. Is. I'm very familiar with what the Leave side said because they transported a lot of that on behalf of Trump. You had Farage campaigning for Trump and the like. You know, the big lie is a very uh, potent tool. It's all about why she lost the election, and it would appear that Brexit, the phenomenon of Brexit, which spilled across to the USA, is the reason that she lost. And she's basically saying 
that I lied to the British electorate. And what she's doing here is not just defending her own position, but acting as the high priestess of the globalist movement. So, of course, she, she isn't actually blaming um, Farage at all. What she's doing is setting up the argument for the big lie. She's talking about the, the big lie is a potent tool, um, this idea that you can have fake news and you can just keep telling the big lie and eventually it will have some traction. That's her single cause. Yeah. Um, what Farage is doing is making the two thoughts connected and this is on Fox and Friends, so she has a bit of, you know, he has a bit of help from them. So he's reducing it to a single cause because it suits him to do that. Um, and what he's doing is saying, well, this is because she's selling the book. Um, she's also saying that I lied to the electorate, which he did. But then what he does is the magician sleight of hand by making you look at Hillary's motivation for saying that rather than having him answer the question as to why he did lie, because he did. And, you know, you can rely on Fox and Friends not to ask that question. Mm. You know, if he was on Newsnight, they might have said, well, hang on a minute. Yeah. You did lie to the electorate. It occurs to me that the single cause is a kind of a straw man. So you're simplifying the other person's argument or the situation in itself. So in such a way that you can talk about it in a single sentence, in a single call to action, and then act on that. So you either refute it or you boil it down to that particular point and then say, that's the thing we've got to sort out. So in Theresa May's thing, we've got to deliver Brexit. Um, Emily Thornbury says we need the Labour Party to be clearer. Caroline Lucas is saying everybody wants to remain. Nigel Farage is saying everybody wants to leave. <laughs> so they are, in a way, strawmanning an argument that is that is not being made, They're, they are preempting somebody making that argument and just gathering it all in and squashing it into a little simple thing that they can then go, you see, that's there's the problem. And it's all about partisanness. So as we can see from four different people, they talked about the same thing in four different ways because it suited them to do so. Yeah. And, that, and, I, and terif terrifyingly, I've spotted myself doing that <laughs> almost every day it's where you where you kind of you're in a situation and you go, OK, so what what you're saying is you simplify it or what the situation calls for is this. So if we just do that, then that will get what we want. And I've, yeah, yeah. Or if, you know, yeah. someone asks, well, why did this happen? And you're like, well, it was because yeah. of that particular yeah. thing. It's, it's so easy all we to need to do is just I fix that for people kind of looking to improve their critical thinking skills generally and try and kind of yeah. uh, stop themselves from doing these things. This is a good one to, to keep an eye out for because mm. you definitely do it. <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's one of those that, that when you start, when you think about it, you do kind of notice yourself doing it and it, and it is good if you're trying to be more intellectually honest and, and trying to, to do better mm. critical thinking. It, it is a good thing to think when you notice yourself doing it. Well, actually, is this situation a bit more complicated than that? Yeah. And, and yeah. do I need to look for other 
other causes or, or then there are some things which are just going to be a single cause and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and if, and you can examine that and see whether that is the case or whether the cause that you are looking at is in fact just overwhelmingly the main thing, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually if there's more that you should consider. It's a fallacy in the wild, wild. It's a fallacy in the wild. It's a fallacy in the wild. It's a fallacy in the wild. It's a fallacy. Getting your you Tom, Tom Jones, Tom on. Jones, there with it's a because it's Tom Jones' birthday today, seventy eight <laughs> oh, today. There was a reason for it then; it wasn't just you. Being yeah, retro. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No. Well, yeah, there is that as well. Yeah, I kind of I was um, inspired by the loungeness of the Guardian <laughs> um, explainer video, but yeah, also it is his birthday today. Yeah, happy birthday, Sir Tom. Yeah. So in the fallacy in the wild, we like to look at the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example is from Blackadder Goes Forth. This is from the excellent final episode, which remains one of the best half hours of TV in history. Yeah. And it's from when Baldrick is trying to uh, find out why the war started. The war started because of the vile Hun and his villainous empire building. George, the British Empire at present covers a quarter of the globe, while the German Empire consists of a small sausage factory in Tanganyika. (laughs) I hardly think that we can be entirely absolved from blame on the imperialistic front. Uh, Oh, no. No, sir. Absolutely not. Man's a bicycle. (laughs) I heard that it started when a bloke called Archie Duke shot an ostrich because he was hungry. I think you mean it started when the Archduke of Austro-Hungary got shot. No, there was definitely an ostrich involved. (laughs) Well, possibly. (laughs) But the real reason for the whole thing was that it was just too much effort not to have a war. By gum, this is interesting. I always loved history. Hmm. Battle of Hastings, Henry VIII and his six knives, all that. (laughs) You see, Baldrick, in order to prevent war in Europe, two super blocks developed. Us, the French and the Russians on one side, and the Germans and Austro-Hungary on the other. The idea was to have two vast opposing armies, each acting as the other's deterrent. That way, there could never be a war. But this is a sort of a war, isn't it, sir? Yes, that's right. You see, there was a tiny flaw in the plan. What was that, sir? It was bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) Bollocks. The word bollocks twice in one episode. (laughs) That's fantastic. So... Yeah. So George's single cause uh, for the war starting is the vile Huns empire building, Mm -hmm. which from their sausage factory, which which Blackadder neatly counters by saying, actually, there's there's more to it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And Baldrick brings up what is often given as the, the cause of World War One. The assassination of Archduke. ostriches. And there is no doubt that that triggered the events that began the war. That is what led Hungary to declare war on Serbia and Germany to to kind of join in with them and then ultimately all of the countries going against each other. But 
there's a lot more to it than that. And there was there was a decade of, of kind of a naval arms race between the UK and Germany. There was the, the big alliances between the countries that Blackadder was talking about there that, that did create this conflict in waiting in a way. Not to mention the, the growth of the Industrial Revolution and the consequent reduction in available resources because people were, were grabbing resources for themselves to, to feed industry and the need then in some cases to try and grab other people's resources and other, other countries' resources and yep. empires to encroach on one another. It's really, really complicated, <laughs> basically is what I'm saying. Yep. And, yeah. and it does often yeah. get simplified down to the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. It belongs to that set of things. If we're here, we are reducing it right now. It belongs to that set of things, which includes we find it very easy to, to make things into yep. patterns. We find it comforting for there to be a complete narrative arc and we like there to be a single cause because then that allows us to to kind of deal with it in such a way that it's the war to end yeah. all wars so we can't let this happen again whereas what the european project after the second world war was was to try and acknowledge the complexity of everything and try to avoid the simplification of his of uh of yeah. history such that we just say oh well as long as an archduke doesn't get shot we won't yeah go to absolutely war. The, the, that, well, that simplification is comforting in the feeling that if mm. if you can if there's one cause and you can remove that cause then that means that you're safe yep. <laughs> but um, but yeah. if you really want to avoid re history repeating itself, you do need to understand the causes. You do need to understand the complexity of the situation mm. and try and figure out mm. what can be done to counter the the things that actually led up to um, to something happening in in so many different ways. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's dangerous in some ways, and, and also that uh, yeah, and it's dangerous to simplify it to say that. Um, well, there was a there's a Michael Rosen kind of poem doing the rounds. A, he's a, uh, a oh, oh, yeah, poet in the UK. Yeah. He was for a while, yeah, um, with uh, Jewish heritage. And he wrote a poem about the fact that fascists don't look like fascists. They don't come in fancy dress. Um, and that's the scary thing. So there, there is that simplification that, well, you know, Trump, and Erdogan and Assad and whoever, whoever can't be seen as being fascist because they don't wear a shiny peaked cap and insignia on their arms. Well, that's a simplification. You know, that, that, that's, you know, not all fascists are Nazis. All Nazis are fascists, but not all <laughs> fascists are Nazis. Some of the anti Trump rhetoric that Corbyn was coming out with this week when uh, Trump was visiting the UK was about we should stand up to leaders that are using racist tropes and xenophobic and uh, nationalistic terminologies you know that's that stuff we've seen before they may not come dressed as nazis but that's stuff we've seen before we ought not to simplify stuff and look for a single cause because if we do, then they'll come in via another door. You know, they, they'll not come in a fancy dress. They'll just come in a suit with a very long red tie. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the second example in the Fallacy in the Wild this week is from Friends. 
and it is from the letter that Rachel wrote to Ross ah, when yeah. uh, when he was hoping to get back together with her after they were on a break. And uh, the uh, the when he finally got around to reading the long letter, the uh, 18 pages front and back, he was a bit surprised to find what her main conclusion was. She wants me to take responsibility for everything that went wrong in our relationship. I mean, she goes on for five pages about, about how I was unfaithful to her. We were on a break! <laughs> oh my God, if you say that one more time, I'm going to break up with you. <laughs> Fine, but this breakup was not all my fault. And she, she says here, if you accept full responsibility, full responsibility, I can begin to trust you again. Does that seem like something you can do? <laughs> does it? As it turns out, it does not. <laughs> but no. <laughs> yeah, basically, Rachel uh, is is asking Ross to simplify it. She is asking him to say it was all his fault, mm. and uh, and it was yeah. a bit more complicated than that. Yeah, there's still arguments among friends, fans over not only were they actually on a break. They definitely were, yeah. but also whose fault it was, <laughs> whose fault the breakup was and, and the, the breakdown of yeah. the relationship. Ross was definitely partly to blame. What what had happened at this point uh, was Mark, a, a handsome stranger, had had met Rachel at mm. uh, a diner and and given her a job, her like dream job at Bloomingdale's. Oh yeah. Yep. So she was very happy with that and possibly flirted a bit with Mark and Mark was definitely interested in getting with Rachel and Ross was extremely jealous of the situation. He was very insecure. Mm -hmm. He massively overplayed his hand in, in trying to show Rachel how much he cared for her and how and, and kind of was staking out his territory and, and claiming her for himself and trying to mm. show Mark that she was taken. And, and yeah, he was totally overbearing and horrible, but... Mark had some skin in the game as well. He was he had definitely had some blame um, because he was being probably over familiar with someone who was in a relationship and was yeah. around at her apartment when she told him that she didn't need him to go there and that kind of stuff. And Rachel was yeah. not very sensitive to Ross's feelings about this. And, and Rachel was the one who ultimately broke off the relationship and then got very upset at Ross for thinking that they had broken up and for sleeping with someone. So yeah. Yeah. it wasn't as simple as it was all Ross's fault, even though, yeah. in my opinion, it was mostly Ross's fault. So, <laughs> <laughs> But there's, <laughs> there's a, a learned exchange going <laughs> online. I can still see it. How long ago? Is it like 20 this years is, since it was yeah. People are yeah, still talking about 20 it. Years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, that's how much we were it's invested it was in important. At the time. I was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. it was life. Yeah, yeah it was life-defining stuff. Yeah, it was kind of the model by which we lived our lives. <laughs> so the the counter to this fallacy, basically, um, is mm. is really simply to point out that it is more complicated than than just mm. the single cause that is being suggested or the simple cause. Yeah. And in fact, what this made me think of was Ben Goldacre's book, Bad Science where he does yep. talk a lot about the kinds of arguments that alternative medicine proponents use 
to to mm. claim that their thing is responsible for good things happening and stuff like that. And and a, and a, a trope yep. that he uses again and again in the book is to say, I think you'll find it's a bit more complicated than that. To the point where they actually had T-shirts made up of that, and and a later book that he wrote, which was a collection of his his articles was was called i think you'll find it's a bit more complicated than that you find it's a bit more complicated than that brilliant Um, yeah and yeah Yeah. that that really is is it it is rarely as simple as as that there is one cause for something happening and and so it's worth pointing that out and trying to remember it yourself So before we move on to fake news, just a quick update on the Trump Deadpool competition, which is uh, officially started yep. now. And uh, there are yep. 11 of us involved. So I'm not going to go on about this because most Yay. of you aren't involved. But if you want to follow along, uh, there'll be the leaderboard will be on the uh, the Facebook page and also at fallaciousTrump.com slash Deadpool. We've all made our picks. We've chosen the people that we think are going to go. The most popular pick is William Barr to go six right. of the 11 people in the competition have chosen William Barr <laughs> and a number of people haven't been chosen by anyone most prominent of those are Mike Pence and Betsy DeVos who who oh. can go without having any impact on the competition Just- at all and I hope that Betsy DeVos does I would have picked I almost picked her actually I had her on my list but it was really wish fulfillment yeah. rather than actually thinking she will go because she doesn't she's Nothing well, she well, does that's what seems to make doing, any difference. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably people being more realistic yeah. than anything else. But they're just going. There are key members that you think they're just not going to go because Trump's not going to get rid of them. So we shall see <laughs> if any Trump appointees or, or administration members do go. Feel free to to email us or tweet us because I might not catch every single one of them. So do let us know. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news. The game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Yeah, and I'm currently million out of something like that. Some, yeah, nine, nine, nine out of twenty five. Yeah, nine out of so. twenty five. That's uh, yeah, I think it's thirty six percent. Which is pretty good, actually. Yeah, it's better than chance. Yeah, well, I think I think the reason is um, the reason I haven't done so well is I'm hastily coming up with a single <laughs> cause is is that basically I can't get any of them right. That is that. I think that's true. That's the main reason that you, think, your yeah, score is how. No, it is no it is. more complicated than that. Yeah, it's actually yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. That's it. So, okay, bring it on. The theme this week, uh, and these are actually a bit longer than usual this week because Trump okay. does like to ramble like a fucking maniac. And <laughs> the theme is uh, is about ISIS. Yeah. Oh, okay. Statement number one. What I see is we have thousands of migrants from Syrian and Iran who could be ISIS. I don't know. Maybe they don't know either. And I see that they're not good people. I mean, they're bad mostly, mostly bad. And they're coming over to America and trying to get in, to get across the border into America. But we can't have ISIS coming to our shores again and killing more of our people. So you ask two things. Number one, how do we stop them in their tracks before they reach our borders? And number two, we've got to do something about it. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> when, did they, when did they last come to, That's to question. Yeah. shores then? Uh, statement number two. Yeah. When yeah. I took over, Syria was loaded with ISIS. And again, when you say, and I've always said, who are we killing ISIS for? You know, the worst enemy of Russia, Iran, Syria, if you look at it, is ISIS. 
So we're killing ISIS for people that aren't necessarily always in agreement with us. Let's put it that way. We've gone into Syria and in two years, we've, I guess, reduced it uh, to about 99% of the territorial caliphate. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have somebody around. And who knows what happened and who it was, because nobody's sure. But I will say this. We've taken it. Syria was a mess. Territorial caliphate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And reduced it to about 99% from 100. I think he meant okay. by 99%, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know... Yeah. Statement number three. <laughs> yeah. I went to Iraq and I met the generals and one general said, sir, we can do it in one week. I said, wait a minute. They said two years. They said, that's because we're hitting them at a much different level. And we did it and now we have 100% of the ISIS. It's been completely obliterated. And that doesn't mean you don't have cells and these crazy people. I've got to say it because you saw it. You can never say we won because if you say we won and then somebody blows up a store, some crazy maniac, but we just beat the hell out of them and we're trying to now beat them at the internet because there's nobody better at the internet than them. <laughs> nobody. Not Bill Gates, not Zuckerberg, nobody. It's all it's all ISIS. Yeah, get your software from ISIS. Okay, so we... We okay. We've got a hundred percent of them, but that doesn't mean we've won, because <laughs> you could never say we've won. Okay, because he learnt from mission accomplished. Uh, okay, so, uh, thousands of it could be. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they don't know either. They're not good people. They're bad. Mostly, mostly bad. Uh, okay, when I took over, Syria was loaded with ISIS. It kind of sounds like some sort of fungal infection. <laughs> Uh, and when you say I've always, who are we killing Iris? And when you say, and I've always said, who are we killing Iris? Yeah, he's constantly saying that. Worst enemy, Syria. If you look at it, we're killing Iris for people that aren't necessarily always in agreement with us. Okay, so I'm a bit suspicious of territorial caliphate. And I quite like the fact he's killing Isis for people that aren't necessarily always in agreement. I quite like that. So then we're going to have someone around. Uh, crazy people took, wait a minute, two years. I think that one sounds quite convincing. So, okay, I think uh, number one is the one that you made up. Okay. So which of the other two are you more confident about? Number three. Okay. The generals. So number three is... Yeah. Yeah. Real. I went to Iraq and I met the generals. And one general said, sir, we can do it in one week. I said, wait a minute. They said, two years. They said, that's because we're hitting them at a much different level. And we did it. And we now have 100% of the ISIS. It's been completely obliterated. And that doesn't mean you don't have cells and these crazy people. I got to say it. Because you saw it, you can never say we won. Because if you say we won and then somebody blows up a store, some crazy maniac, but we just beat the hell out of them. And we're trying to now beat them at the internet because there's nobody better at the internet than them. He's a, he's, he is some crazy maniac, isn't he? He just yeah. kind of wanders off and just, what? He can't explain anything in... <laughs> It, uh, oh. So we could do it in a week. I said, wait a minute. I said, two years. What, hitting them at a different, much different level? What on yeah, earth does that no mean? No sense at all in that. No. Um, <laughs> no. They're completely obliterated. 
but we get one because someone will pop up. Well, then you haven't completely. It's a lot more complicated than you're making <laughs> out. I think you'll find it's yeah. a bit more complicated than now that. Now that that was yeah. in April of this year. Um, no, when really, he claimed that the, they had a hundred percent wiped out ISIS. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't the first time he'd claimed that they'd a hundred percent wiped out ISIS. Well, the first yeah. time was actually in December of two thousand seventeen. Well, that's right. So it sounded like an older one. Yeah. yeah. He's claimed it a number of times since. However, <laughs> the US-led coalition against ISIS, formerly known as the Combined Joint Task Force Operation Inherent Resolve, wow. say yeah. that actually there's still around 10,000 ISIS fighters in Iraq and thousands in oh. Syria. So they, they've got okay. the territory. They they. They wiped out essentially the territory, so they, ISIS no longer controls any specific areas. But okay. it's not just cells just of crazy them. maniacs yeah. blowing up a store. It is still yeah. a considerable fighting force that is there. Yeah, and it always will be, and that's that's the thing because they it will be termed because they're very good at the internet. They will term it in terms of an American oppressor. Yeah. So, okay. So you also think that number okay, two yeah, is real? Yeah. I and do. number two and, yeah. is yeah. real. When I took over, Syria was loaded with ISIS. And again, when you say to it, and I always, I've always said, who are we killing ISIS for? You know, the worst enemy of Russia, Iran, Syria, you look at it, is ISIS. So we're killing ISIS for people that aren't necessarily always in agreement with us. Let's put it that way. Uh, we've gone into Syria, and in two years, we've, I guess, reduced it to about 99% of the territorial caliphate. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have somebody around, and who knows what happened and who it was. Nobody's sure. But I will say this. We've taken it. I, Syria was a mess. <laughs> and who knows what happened and who it was because nobody is sure. What yeah. the hell? Does, that doesn't mean you're not going to have somebody around and who knows what happened and who was. <laughs> if he was drunk, you could get away with that. If he was drunk, you kind of go, that's understandable because you're drunk. Yeah. But no, he's just you doing his usual thing, standing in front of a helicopter. Yeah. It's always when Marine One is just firing up its engines. Yeah. Like, because it, you think, the, the, <laughs> then he can say, well, the most cogent and, and lucid and important bits got lost in the swirl of the rotors going. But it's just, oh, God, it's rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> it's, oh, but. Mm. It's not even, you know, far be it from us to have to say that George W. That w was, you know, a, a kind of a clear thinking and, um, you know, with oratorical skills. But this yeah. is just yeah. nonsense, isn't it? Which means that number one, statement number one, oh, yeah. was fake yeah. news, as you said. And actually, Whoa. I didn't make that one up. That was right. sent yeah. in by a listener. So hey! All that, right! Uh, you, you wait 25 episodes and yeah, ask every then, time, and then you stop uh, asking. And, they and come one flooding in yeah. at the rate of one <laughs> a week. That's so, brilliant. So I have to thank Richard Thunder Hopkins, our, our friend of the show, patron, yay, uh, yay. Facebook group nice member, fun, Twitter Richard. follower. Uh, he's he's he great, very he's a good, good supporter, and he sent in our first listener submitted Trump quote. 
if you'd like it to, is a very good one uh, to yeah. join his ranks then you can you can send a quote in on twitter to me or you can join our facebook group and and private message me on facebook uh, and send me a quote i have to say i did i did edit that a little bit because it was a bit long right. at first uh, and so maybe it was my editing that meant that you uh, uh, caught uh, it as the um, as the yeah. fake but you did you did catch it so you're now on 10 out of 25 which is 40% Yay. so you're creeping up uh, towards a respectable oh, score right yeah <laughs> But I could never get a hundred percent. Well, no, because because uh, you've cause lost so many. I've, yes. <laughs> so it's time for the part of the show where we want to talk about all the crazy things that are happening in Washington, but we can't talk about everything. So we pick one particular subject, and this week, at least, this part of the show is called "Democratic presidential candidates are not a logical fallacy," because. <laughs> <laughs> there's so, many, there's of so them. many of them and yeah and we figured it was time we talked about a few of them but um uh, in an interesting way so what we've done hmm. there's there's a website which you may have heard of called isidewith.com and what it lets you do is put in your it asks questions and you can have multiple choice you can say what you think about all of the main policies that um presidential candidates tend to talk about and then it gives you a kind of a list of which are the current candidates fit most with your points of view and also the the questions that you get asked is quite a nice set of questions because there are some of them just go yes no and then some then it says there's this kind of a thing which is the equivalent of it's a bit more complicated than that and you, <laughs> yeah, kind of, and, you and you click on that and it opens up a whole different yes but with these caveats yeah. or no but with these caveats so we each did this this quiz it takes yeah. about kind of 20 minutes i'd say yeah something like, something like that, like that. Uh, yeah. and um and yeah we've, so we've got our picks i haven't heard neither of us have heard who the other one picked and and no. going in i i said I, I figured that that mark was a little bit more left than me um yeah. i'm i'm definitely left i mean i yeah. think that's probably clear from the 26 yeah. episodes so far but but i'm probably more center <laughs> left, certainly left in the uk me. i think i think yeah i think that the that there is a difference as as one of our guests ron placone said um the the kind of what we consider left in the uh in the uk is quite mm. different from the left most party in the us the democrat mm. party mm. is probably more right yeah for the than our left yeah. party the the so yeah um i would i would class myself as kind of center left in the uk mm. which would probably be quite left wing in the in the us um and, yeah. and mark is a raging commie pinko so <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah yeah that's right yeah. i have to declare that every time i go to the us yeah so did <laughs> you your, well, on your the, first uh, pick the, well the top left of the uh of the i side with it tells you how your percentage oh yeah which of, part are you yeah you're yeah so i'm i'm 90 percent socialist wow <laughs> yeah 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 so i'm, so I'm my, 79 percent democrat apparently so oh okay wow interesting oh okay well that's interesting because my top uh, candidate is Elizabeth Warren. Ah, ninety-eight, ninety-six percent. Oh, okay. there you go. That's interesting. Mine's uh, ninety-two percent yeah. Elizabeth Warren. Okay, so. I'm ninety-six percent. Followed well, by, yeah, uh, followed by Julian Castro, okay. a twin brother of of uh, Joachim. Uh-huh. Yeah, 
and then Bernie Sanders, and then Kamala, okay. and then Kirsten Gillibrand, then Tulsi Gabbard, then Corey Brooker, then Beto O'Rourke, Beto O'Rourke, sorry, and then Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar. Klobuchar? Okay. Klobuchar, yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, my uh, my top two are, are both yeah. 92%. It's Elizabeth Warren and Kirsten Gillibrand. Oh, okay, um, yeah. And then on 91%, yeah. <laughs> like right just there, in, yeah. in second place, joint second place, I've got Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Julian Castro, and Bernie Sanders. So wow. That's my All top of those six. Is, you've got <laughs> kind of one amalgamated super Democrat there yeah made, yeah made of I those think, like i think bernie for me, hair and going all the way down i mean uh, I, i've got the the next there's there's two on 90 percent. there's three on 89 percent. so that's like 12 all between 89 and 92 percent agreement yeah minor between 90 and 96 yeah so i think yeah. what that shows me is that there's not actually not that much difference between these candidates in terms of mm. policy. They are very yeah. kind of generic Democrat policies. Most of the yeah, what's yeah. going on, what are the what these these people are saying already that yeah. they believe in. There's not a lot of people kind of standing out from the pack in terms of you know trying to say something or do something different. Each yeah, there's a few I mean, that, that have kind of come up with some policies that are interesting, but they're, but they're kind of playing it safe. I think quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's interesting below the each thing, so you get you get the little um, uh, the picture, and then the percentage, and then you get their big their name in bold type, yeah. and then below that, I guess they're kind of top six, seven. Um, qualities yeah and and none of them none of mine until you get down to better o'rourke i've got charisma so yeah. i've got better o'rourke he's he's way down he's like the bottom last but one and his first one is charisma and then ability to unify and you think well that's probably important in the democrats given that everybody's doing this in a siloed kind of way and they're all fairly similar. You need somebody that can pull it all together and go, yeah, let's just actually stop fighting yeah. each other and do it. Now, as you, as you, if you scroll all the way down, you can yeah. see what percentage you match with Donald Trump. Oh, really? Well, right yeah. at the bottom. I am 22% Trump. Well, I'm only 18% Trump, so I feel that's, Wow, I wonder, what, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got, what's interesting there is got patriotism, confidence, toughness, protectionism, nationalism. They're not good things, are they? And then anthropocentrism. Yeah. So it's like, what, that's what weird. Is, that's like. But that's saying people, that people do stuff, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, like he's interested in doing climate people. change. Yeah. But. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, anthropocentric, hmm. anthro maybe, yeah, anthropomorphism, you can understand, yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, he's vaguely anthropomorphic. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, kind of human-shaped-ish. <laughs> yeah, it's got a human attributes <laughs> attached to it. And it's a very old photo. His hair isn't yellow in that. Wow, that is a little bit scary that I'm... Whoa. 22% 22% Trump. So of your, um, of your top few candidates yep. on there what do you think of them as candidates based on what you know of them at the moment 
Well, Bernie Sanders, it's interesting because I would have thought my own view of myself is that I'm a progressive socialist, which is what Bernie Sanders is described as being, and yet that doesn't feature at all in Elizabeth Warren's description, who is a left-wing environmentalist. Oh, that's progressive. Keynesian. Oh, my God, she's Keynesian. (laughs) What the hell? And Julian Castro. And oh, okay. you've no, gone into the more, just, more detail yeah, section. Yeah, they're, they're Keynesian, which is and that was that's Reaganomics and the Thatcherism and all that well, kind of. Well, not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, yes, it's about after whom Milton Keynes was after which after whom Milton Keynes the city in yeah, John the Maynard UK Keynes, was yeah. named. Yeah, so it was it was about. Um, the mechanization of the working man. It was about how do you make a better pin and all of that stuff from where the phrase pin money comes, apparently. Because it used to be a uh, a manual task to make pins and then it got automated under Keynesian new radical proposals to mechanize stuff so consequently people you know socialist collectivist and progressive ideals went out the window because they went well we could just we could make more pins with fewer people for more money and we haven't got to pay anybody keynesian was really about uh, kind of tying the, the economy to the the product the output mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. workers and and um an increasing government spending, which is partly what what um, Warren and, and people like that want to do, which yeah. to, but it's spending on not things like defence, uh, but but right. on people, on social yeah, programmes. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, she is for lowering taxes on the the working people, the average American, right? But raising taxes on giant corporations. And yep. on the wealthiest, uh, as yep. is Kamala Harris, um, is is you know they've both put forward proposals for for uh, you know much higher taxes on yeah. the absolute wealthiest, the people who are literally billionaires. So yeah, I'm okay with that. I, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Fine. Yeah, good with that. Yep, yep. In that, yeah. in those terms, and I can I can deal with. See what I was doing there was making a single simple cause <laughs> of our Keynesianism, Keynesianism, yeah, yes. So, I I I really like Elizabeth Warren. I think she is yep. really smart. She has got the most plans for things at the moment. Instead of just saying this is something I'd like to do, she's yeah. she's actually saying here's how I would go about doing that. Yeah, for yeah. for more and more uh, issues, which is, she's kind of leaving the other candidates in the dust as far as that's mm. concerned. She really, mm. she seems to have a plan for everything. Kirsten Gillibrand, who's my second, I right. really am not sure about. I think the policies that she's spoken about are good, but she had she kind of stood out early on for for trying to be the the face not the face of me too but the but pushing me too mm-hmm. as as a big thing and and th- because that's also been taken up by lots of other candidates and and are saying yes this is really something we need to look at and consider she's got lost in the mix a bit right. and um and in fact she's polling incredibly poorly for someone of her stature and I mean she's a senator she should 
be able to yeah. to get significant support, you would think. And yeah, not she least hasn't... from being recognised as being a yeah, an active. Um, yeah, but I mean the DNC person, yeah. criteria for debates. I think the for the first one, you have to poll above one percent uh, in in three major polls, and you have to or. or you have to have got 65,000 individual uh, don- donors. And right. um, at the moment, she has just about polled over 1% in a few polls. Oh, wow. She hasn't got 65,000 individual donors. So she she's just about getting into the, the debate criteria as at the moment, but that's Whoa. for the very first debates. Yeah, yeah, oh my you word. You know, 20, 23 people, they're going yeah. to probably have to increase the criteria and they've already announced that for the July um for debates after July they're going to double that requirement. Wow. Um, and she won't make it. She just won't be in the no. in the no. on the stage. So Wow. So she's not she's kind of her standout moment, the Me Too wave, was yeah, she's she hasn't she needs got to anything do something else. After she that. needs to yeah. Yeah, yeah, she needs to stand out for something else if she wants to yeah. mm. um to to kind of have a chance, I think. So I've got Julian Castro as my second. All I know about him is that he's Joachim's brother. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of all I know. Yeah, he's... So I'm surprised that he popped up. He hasn't really achieved any particular level of fame. He was in Obama's cabinet. Um, mm-hmm. And he was... That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was a mayor of, of uh, somewhere in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But yeah, he's he's not really made a big splash. But I mean, he seems okay from what I've seen. He's not yeah. anything particularly against him. So yeah. So do you think is he just riding high on the fact that he is on the anti-Trump, anti-Trump wall thing? I mean, I think they're all he will... they're all so strongly anti-Trump. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, and that is kind of one of the the defining characteristics of of everyone in in the way that you know you can't define anyone if they're all the same. Um, mm. They are they are all just saying everything that Trump, all the Trump's immigration policies, all of that. They're just against against it. Yeah. Some of them are saying what they would do instead, but a lot of them are just saying you know not Trump. We don't like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it's really difficult to discriminate between them in places. I think there's people like Bernie Sanders who who is yep. quite different. He is very old. He'll he would be eighty if he got wow. in. Wow, he's bright and and interesting and has some good ideas, but yeah, got to kind of worry. I think about someone. Yeah, doing well, he's that kind of he's a bit like Tony Benn. He's age. kind of the old an old school, proper old school socialist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tony Benn was, you know, he's the kind of the intellectual uh, leader that the, that the Labour Party never had, um, and he was always the the progressive thinker and yeah. just, you know, became an, a, an elder and and you know respected repository of all of the the entire history of the labor movement in the yeah. in the UK pretty much and Bernie Sanders kind of belongs in there that kind of thing he's going to be he's going to be the leader you know the president the best president that the US never had <laughs> is is what's going to happen to Bernie Sanders another thing i'm not i don't like about bernie to be honest is that he is and he's not a democrat he's an independent 
mm. um, uh, running for the Democrat candidate and what that meant in 2016. Whereas I think if any other Democrat had been um, in the last two with Hillary, when yeah. they pulled out, they would have endorsed Hillary. Yeah. I, I believe that, that if it had been, you know, if it had been someone else, they would, they would have, they would have said, okay, I'm, I'm dropping out, but I am, you know, very much in favor of Hillary beating Trump. Yeah. You should all vote for Hillary. All the people who wanted to vote for me should vote for Hillary. He did yeah. not do that. He didn't endorse her. And a lot of his followers stayed home. Some of them voted for Trump. And that basically well, I handed, think they were, yeah. handed Trump the presidency. And that, yes, I exactly. think, was and I think that such was, a big mistake. Know, that was, and it was a, well, it was also a mistake on, you can tell he was a bit miffed because he didn't get picked and Hillary did. Sure. Uh, and you can understand well, that, but that's politics. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. And, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Know, and and unfortunately, I think it's, there's a risk of that happening again if it's Bernie and God Joe Biden, for example, which yeah. I don't think it should be. <laughs> but yeah, if it if it was, you know, I think there's a strong possibility that Bernie again would would end up dropping out and and not endorsing yeah, yeah. Joe. And and at this point, I don't I don't like Joe Biden particularly. He's now, he's have I'm, you, have he's seventy seven percent on me. I've got seventy eight seventy seven. Yeah, I disagree with a lot of stuff about him but yeah if it's biden versus trump i'm biden all the way <laughs> yeah yeah well quite yeah, yeah i mean and that's the kind of thing that actually they've got blue. to yeah they've got they've got to kind of just get it get they've just got to buy that buy into that yeah. um i mean that was the thing about the european elections over here was that there were two or three organizations that were saying okay we're not sure what labor is going to say we know what the Tories are going to say. We want to avoid getting uh, levers into the European Parliament because if we don't end up leaving Europe, who would you want to represent us in Europe? People that want to participate within the European Union or people who want to leave. So there's this whole thing about tactical voting. It said, you know, whatever you feel about the Liberal Party in your district, you need to vote for the Liberal Party because that will guarantee us an, uh, a remain vote, uh, yeah. an, an anti-Brexit vote. So I think, you know, if... if yeah, this time round, the the Democrats have just got to you know, even if it involves Bernie, if you're listening, even if it involves holding your nose and handing over the baton to Biden, God help us, the, do it to a certain extent. It isn't about who is representing the Democrats; it's just that we need to get the Democrats in. Yeah, so you need to just kind of scoop up your voters and pass them on to whoever's likely to get past the post and you know hopefully it'll be elizabeth warren but yeah you know or but if, my third yeah. pick kamala harris mm. who yeah i think is brilliant i love yeah. kamala harris she made such an impact in the hearings for for brett kavanaugh she's yeah. just i mean she's a career prosecutor she asked some really uh, intelligent questions in ways that were designed to get useful answers. She did it yep. again with Bill Barr. And I just think she's, I'm really looking forward to watching her in the debates. I yeah, think her yeah. and Elizabeth Warren are going to kick ass in the debates. Both yeah. of them are really, yeah. really clever lawyers and, and they are yeah. going to, yeah, 
they're going to have some fun and, yeah, and stand yeah. out, I think. And and that's the thing about this point, Gillibrand, for example, who is, who yep. is polling so poorly at the moment, if she can make an impact in a debate, it can really turn around. Um, mm. the, at this stage, it's so early and there's so many of mm. them. Mm. that yeah. that's, some of them will drop out as as time goes on and those followers will will migrate to to someone else and there's there's still an opportunity for some of the people who are kind of lower down the list to mm. to mm. stand out um yeah so the last one i want to just briefly yeah. talk about is cory booker who's yeah. kind of fourth on my on my list of these yeah i've got him website. in 90 percent. yeah Pete Buttigieg is getting a lot of press and, and everyone's really yeah. impressed that he speaks multiple languages and is a Rhodes Scholar and all that kind of stuff. Cory Booker yeah. is also a Rhodes Scholar. He studied at Stanford and Yale and, and Oxford University as a Rhodes Scholar. He is he speaks multiple languages. He's really, really smart. Um, yeah. And I just think it would be so nice <laughs> to have an intelligent person. Um, and we've got there's a it's an embarrassment of riches of really intelligent people mm, in this mm. in this field. There's there's a lot of people who would be great. So yeah, it would be interesting actually to do a similar thing with this I side with thing. It's really nice the way it summarizes the particular candidate standpoints, and you kind of think if the you know the uh, the number one for Bernie Sanders honesty. So Boris Johnson, <laughs> that wouldn't appear. Yeah. Um, and, no, it is, you know. I, I mean, we're not sponsored by iSide with, unfortunately, but if anyone from iSide is listening, we are open. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I think it's really well, you like it. and really interesting because yeah. you can, once you've done it, you can click on the individual candidates and see where they match up with you and which bits you disagree mm. with them on. And, and it gives you information that you can then use to kind of make your decisions and, and see who you like. Mm. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Last week, Robert Mueller made a public statement for the first time since the release of his report. He spoke for eight minutes and basically just repeated what the report concluded. To be honest, at first, I thought it was a confusing waste of time. But then I've read the Mueller report. Conservatives who still haven't lost their shit at what they saw was brand new information. Mm Mm-hmm. For example, John Poderitz wrote in the New York Post, if Mueller didn't intend to signal to Congress that his report could serve as the basis for an impeachment, his statement was wildly incompetent. He did intend that. He intended it all over the place. Yeah. In a somewhat obvious attempt to frame any move away from non-fossil fuels as an infringement of liberty, Stephen Weinberg, Assistant Secretary for Fossil Energy, described Texas-produced natural gas as molecules of US freedom. With the US in another year of record-setting natural gas production, I am pleased that the Department of Energy is doing what it can to promote an efficient regulatory system that allows for molecules of US freedom to be exported to the world. Mark Menzies, the Undersecretary of Energy's slightly less poetically and certainly less sci-fi-y, added increasing export capacity from the Freeport LNG project is critical to spreading freedom gas throughout the world. Even here in the UK, where we don't call gastric disturbances gas, that's still quite icky. I guess it's what comes from chomping on too many of those freedom fries, Donald. Former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn has fired his legal team at the point in his case where there is only the sentencing left to go. 
The move comes after the release of a voicemail left for his lawyer by Trump attorney John Dowd, in which Dowd basically asked Flynn to give him a heads up if he was going to implicate Trump in any crimes. Nobody seems to know who Flynn has chosen to represent him or why he's made the change, but irresponsible speculation is that he is going to withdraw his guilty plea because he's noticed all the other people getting away with crimes in plain sight and figures he'll just give obstructing justice a go. It's all the rage. Yeah, yeah, I've got a hat with it. Meanwhile, in the UK, the wrinkled, rubbery, orange, angry, tweeting blimp drove straight past the inflatable Trump baby balloon and 75,000 protesters in Trafalgar Square. I know he did because they're captured in the same picture. So unless he was looking at the National Portrait Gallery at the time, yeah, right. His own protestations that, oh, it's fake news, there were tremendous crowds of well-wishers. They were mainly the police lining the route one deep, look to be what they are, self-serving guff, which incidentally is what they used to pump up the balloon, by the way. Later in the visit, he tried to lecture Leo Varadkar, the Irish PM, on how it'll all be great after you have the wall and the border, only to be told to his face by Leo, but we don't want a wall or a border. Trump, of course, carried on saying what he says about walls and borders and not listening to anyone or the truth or facts or the evidence in front of his eyes. Our hearts really go out to you, America. We're exhausted as a nation after three days of this circus freak show and you have it all the time. While in Europe, Trump attended events celebrating the 75th anniversary of D-Day and held up the opening ceremony by 14 minutes so that he could be interviewed by Laura Ingram on Fox, against the backdrop of a French military cemetery where thousands of American soldiers are buried. Of course, he used his time to honour the fallen heroes and thank them for their sacrifice. Well, for literally 45 seconds anyway. But because he's a massive arsehole, he spent the rest of the time talking about how much the Queen liked him, how great tariffs are, calling Chuck Schumer a jerk, Nancy Pelosi a disaster, and Robert Mueller a fool. That's decorated military veteran Robert Mueller on fucking D-Day. Meanwhile in the UK, the protest group led by donkeys, a reference of course to how we all are, projected a giant red baseball cap onto the dome of Madame Tussauds in London, a cap with USS John McCain on it. Consequently, and quite delightfully, Amazon have completely sold out of caps online. I guess they're just trying to keep them out of sight. Well, that's what the Navy should have done with the actual USS John McCain in Japan. Bung it on eBay! Just a few hours ago, as of this recording, Trump tweeted, For all the money we're spending... NASA should not be talking about going to the moon. We did that 50 years ago. They should be focused on the much bigger things we're doing, including Mars, of which the moon is a part, defence and science. Which is either massively ignorant or incompetently worded, both of which are super fun traits for a president. Maybe he was just thinking of that time when Kennedy said, We choose to go to the moon, not because it is easy, but because it is Mars. In other news, progress on my home improvement fencing work includes painting it to improve its aesthetic appearance. Kind of important when you want it to blend in with the rest of the garden. Not so important when you're trying to keep border crossers from crossing the border fence, hey. Mine cost about $40 for a drum of brown creosote and I did it myself in an afternoon with a 99 cent brush. Whilst Trump favours black and Customs and Border Protection indicated that the Department of Defence spent $150,000 and used 100 men for a month. 
Congressman Joaquim Castro, chair of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, channeled his best Star Trek's Dr. McCoy and said, these are soldiers, they're not painters. If only Trump could read, because there's a Huckleberry Finn tale on this very subject. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used the fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts as it will become, or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patrons, Lauren Phillips, Democracy is Zucked, and Cat Commander. Thanks, guys. You can also connect with us and other listeners in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallaciousTrump. Also, the Merseyside Skeptics Society, run by a friend of the show, Michael Marshall, are having a 10th anniversary event in Liverpool on July 6th. Mark and I will be there. So if you're in the area and fancy a day of sceptical fun, go to mssx.co.uk to get tickets and come and say hi. Mark might even yeah. buy you a beer. Probably not. Yeah. Beer not, guaranteed. No. Why me? Why am I buying? <laughs> yeah. Look out for us. We'll probably be wearing fallacious Trump T-shirts. Could be. All music is by The Outburst and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.